Whatever you're going through today, God is sufficiently able. And don't, don't think that when you're tested or you're tried or anything like that, that it's a one-time deal. We need to stay in faith 24-7, 365, always be watchful, always be on guard. Amen? I just want to encourage us here today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn yourself over to Mark chapter 4. Mark the fourth chapter. I want to talk to us today. Something that hit me right, right in the spirit this week about the four types of soil. Everybody say four types of soil. Mark chapter 4. And for the sake of time, I'll start in verse 13. But I, I would encourage you to read Mark chapter 4 at some point this week to examine it, what it says in the full context of Scripture. This is something that we use often in terms of giving, but actually the context of the Scripture, which is okay, it's perfectly fine to use it in the context of giving, but actually the context of this passage has to do with us receiving the Word of God. When, when we talk about seed time and harvest, the number one seed, other than Jesus himself, is the Word of God. That's the number one seed, is the word. Starting in verse 13, it says this, Jesus speaking. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Everybody say the simple things. The sower sows the word. Notice it says the sower sows the word. It's what you do. You're not... If, if you're someone who wants to live out of the word, it can't be just a, a, a once-in-a-lifetime thing. When, when you become saved, when you decide to live a life according to the word of God, it's not just when you feel like it or you act like it or you get yourself into a bind or you feel good or you feel bad or anything in between. You have to consistently, you see, it says the sower sows the word. It's what you do. If I said, uh, the mechanic works on my car. Well, that's, that, that's what he does. It's, it, it's part of who he is. Us as Christians, we, are, we need to be people who consistently and constantly are sowing the word into our spirits. Amen? I'll continue on. Verse 15, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear... Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Another translation says, the Passion Translation actually says, uh, it talks about the first type of soil or, or the first area where seed is sown is the beaten path or it's the common place. Uh, the New American Standard Bible says it's the road. In other words, it's, it's the common places where the word is put. And, and when the common place receives the word, what happens is because it's actually not sown in or, or buried down and because it receives so much traffic, it's commonplace, it's not treated as precious or dear, what happens is the enemy spots the word and he steals the word away. There's no problem with the seed. There's no problem with the sower. The problem lies in where the seed was sown. Verse 16 says this, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. 
The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, notice, notice tribulation and persecution is on account of the word. In other words, when you get yourself into trials and persecution on account of the word, rather than on account of, well, you're just going to live life any way you want, and then when you run into trouble, you're going to blame it on God. See, there's a difference between biblical tribulation and you just decide to live a reckless life. I'm not preaching on that today, but just take that for what it's worth. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And the others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Notice it doesn't say that there's no growth. It just says that there's no fruit being brought forth. You know what that means? The enemy is okay with your growth. He's okay with your movement, but he's not okay when fruit starts getting multiplied into a harvest for others. Verse 20. But those, and I'm talking to some of those this morning, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Amen? If you're taking notes here today, the first type of soil we're going to talk about is the footpath or the common places. Everybody say the footpath. I hope you're taking notes today. I believe this will help you. As we journey together this morning, this word that I received from God this week came as a product of prayer and fasting and shutting myself away. Every time I enter into God's holy desk in a week, I do my best and with almost without fail, I spend at least one day in prayer and fasting because I could preach to you what I heard someone else say, but secondhand revelation is exactly Eve's problem in the garden. Anyways, we're not talking about that today. The footpath, everybody say the footpath. Everybody say the common places. See, the footpath or that type of soil or that type of environment is exactly related to those who hear the word, but it bounces off them like Teflon. I'm well aware as a youth pastor that when I preach the word of God, that there are actually people seated in those purple chairs on the other side of that wall who are only there because their parents forced them to be there. Now, you should have your kids in church. But at the same time, those are the same parents who come to me and they think that there's something wrong with themselves or there's something wrong with the youth pastor or the church or whatever. And they come to me and they'll say, well, I don't understand why so-and-so is still smoking pot because every time I brought him to church, he's there every time the doors are open. Yeah, he's there, but he's treating the word as commonplace. She's there and she, oh yeah, oh yeah, they're there. Yeah, but they're also there and on Twitter and Instagram and listening to music and scrolling on their phone. Why? Because it's just commonplace. 
So, so every time the word is preached, and come on, we've all been there before. Every time the word's preached, the, the, the desire of our heart, the, the, the things that want to draw us away from receiving the word, we treat the word as commonplace. We treat the word like it's just some ordinary thing. But if you treat the word as an ordinary thing, you'll never ex- receive extraordinary results. What happens is it's commonplace. Listen, I can throw a seed on the ground here, but it's never going to produce a fruitful and multiplied harvest because it's just commonplace. I can throw it on the ground here on the carpet. It's never going to receive. It's never going to bear fruit and multiply in the carpet. Because we got cleaners who run a vacuum here, and and we got people who shoot the breeze here, and it's just commonplace. See, the commonplace and the secret place don't dwell together. Too many of us, we live live an I-81 lifestyle when it comes to the word, and God's like, no, I want to bring you out to the backwoods of Susquehanna County and have that secret place meeting with you. I want to bring you where no one else has traveled. I want to bring you to some place where it's just me and you, and I can plant the word in your heart, and you receive it with joy, and you act on it, and you bear a fruit and a multiplied harvest for the sake of others. But if you treat the word of God as commonplace or ordinary, as just something to be done. Now, I read the Bible every single day of my life. I read the Bible many times in the morning. Many times I'll read it sometime a little bit after that. Sometimes before bed, I'm constantly listening to the word. I I don't say this to brag or anything like that, but I I spend a a substantial amount of my life in the Bible, okay? And and I find that so many times I'll be reading the word and I'll actually have to stop myself and say, no, no, stop, go back. Because you just treated the last 20 verses as commonplace, you, treated, you, just, you just treated the last hour that you spent with me as commonplace. And I'm saying this not, not as like a, a point of pride. I need help in this area that when I hear the word of God, I want to be somebody who says, Lord, I want your word in my heart. I want your word to do a deep work on the inside of me. I'm not here for a microwave word. I'm not here for, for a drive-through word. God, I need your word to penetrate the, the, the very spirit that's on the inside of me, to change me and to mold me and to shape me to be more like Jesus Christ. You see, I don't need the word like someone who's at a buffet. I need the word like someone who's in the desert lost. I just need a drop of your word. I just need you, God, to speak just one just one syllable to me God I, I need your word I can't treat it like commonplace God I'm about to die out here without your word as a husband are you kidding me as a father as a youth pastor as a business owner are you kidding me I need God's word it's not commonplace it's not just, oh, well, oh, that's nice. Proverbs chapter 7 says this, and oh, Proverbs chapter 10, 20. No, it's not just commonplace. I need your word, God. I'll be saved. Next month will be 20 years, two decades I've been saved. My, my, my kids will mark four generations of full-time ministry. My grandfather's pastored for over 70 years. And I need the word today more than more than anybody else in my ancestry line. I need, God, I, when, I, when I read the word, God, would you please? I just, I, I, I need, I, I want to know every part, and I've been through the Bible cover to cover, but, but every time I open it, God, I, I, wanna, I want your word. When I'm, reading Revela- when I'm reading Revelation, just as much as I'm reading Genesis, when I'm reading Leviticus, just as much as the book of John, God, I, I want your word. 
I don't want to treat it like commonplace. See, I, I need the word, yes, God, for me, but I need it for my kids' sake. Lord, I, I need the word, yeah, for me, but I need it to be a better husband. I need the word, not just to make myself feel better. I need the word because, God, I, I don't want to live the common, ordinary, simple lifestyle like so many people live. I need the word to call me out, to level up, to call me to a place of holiness, the secret place of God. You see, the first type of soil, the mistake is, is treating the word as ordinary and common. If you're just here to check your religious box, I appreciate that you're here. I love the fact that you're here. But in humility, I submit to you, it's time to repent and say, God, I'm not here for a religious service. I'm not, I'm not here on this Labor Day weekend to, 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 to hear so, some little quotable word. God, I'm here because I need. Uh, the Bible is actually compared to the word of God is, is compared to bread, right? And, and, and if I miss a meal, I don't feel guilty. I, I don't, right? If I, if I, like, like if I didn't eat breakfast this morning, which I did, I can promise you that. But if I didn't eat breakfast this morning, I wouldn't be like, oh, oh Lord, I'm, I'm just, I'm so guilty. No, I'd feel hungry. Like, like, where's food at? Like, I, I need food. Like, I, I'm going to go to McDonald's, and I'm getting the family bundle for myself. Confession, that was two weeks ago. <laughs> See, like, I don't, I don't feel guilty if I don't read the Bible. I feel hungry. Like, if there's something missing. Like, See, we can't treat the word as commonplace. So many times parents will say to me, I don't know why my kids are so jacked up. They're left, they're lost, they're lonely, they're still partying, they're still living a promiscuous lifestyle, they're, they're, they're still doing, they're not putting a priority on the word, they're not in prayer, they're not these things. Well, let me ask you something. Is there a question, is there a problem with the word? Because Isaiah says this, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. There's no problem with the seed. There's no problem with the word and there's no problem with the sower. The problem comes down to our receiving and taking taking in of the word. See, there's no issue with the word. Everybody say, there's no issue with the word. The footpath is the representation of the common. You hear the word, but you never raise your standards. You don't want to take notes because that would take you away from the MLB app. God's trying to call you to a higher level of multiplication and fruit bearing but you're too concerned if the Steelers are going to sign a different running back or fire their head coach or whatever. Why is it commonplace? See, it's, it's Psalm 119. The opposite of the commonplace is Psalm 119, verse 11. It says this. I love the 119th Psalm. I think it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, the psalmist cries out, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word. I've, I've, I've planted your word in my heart. It's, it's the stop from sinning. Against, it's, it's the stop from transgressing against God is the word planted in my heart. You see, the, the issue is not in the seed. The issue is not in the word. Because there's people right now who are hearing the word of God. Can I just say, I'm so thankful for, 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 for television and for live stream, everything like that. But I, I've had people tell me, they, they said, through this thing, when I was home, I'd have church on, TV on, 
They said, but I'd always end up doing something else because it's so easy for it to be commonplace and never to enter our hearts. I'm not done, but I'll move on. Number two, the rocky soil. Everybody say the rocky soil. I hope this is okay today. I know it's a little bit more on the teaching side, but I think that this is such a, we don't, like, we don't need this word, we don't, we, don't, we don't need this word just for Sunday church. Like for me, I need this word every day. The rocky soil, everybody say rocky soil. See, this represents those who hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, but there's no root system in their heart so they don't last. It's equivalent to me building a big home. I put granite on the countertops, marble on the floors, crown molding inlaid with gold, black stainless steel appliances, big farm table, and your, you know, five bedrooms, five bathrooms, fireplace in every room, acres and acres of land. You come over to my house and you say, hey, I can use the bathroom, can I run upstairs? No, 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 don't, don't do that. Well, 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 why? Well, like if you flush the toilet, the house is going to topple over. What? Kyle, you spent, you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars fixing up. I know, but the foundation's bad. See, it's the same way with those who hear the word in the rocky soil. They run after the greater things of God and they never took care of the salvation matters. They, they're the baby that ran after the T-bone steak and they, they're still, they haven't even had their first drop of milk yet. And that's, it's a detriment. It'll kill you. It'll topple you. It'll topple you when you, when I was a teenager for about five years, all I did was study grace. That's all I did. Five years straight. Just, I just want to, and can I say, I probably have that much of, of that much of it. So for, sometimes 14 hours a day, I'm listening to sermons just on grace. Because I don't want to be someone who 10 years from now, 15 years from now, they have an extravagant ministry, but they never took care of the foundational things and they topple over. Well, come on, I can name names here today, but I won't. Especially of preachers in the 80s. They're on TV. They've got this. They've got that. They've got money. They've got a following. They got everything. Yeah. How'd they end up? When there's a problem in the foundation, there'll be a problem in the rest of the house. My wife and I, when we first started looking at homes uh, last year, 18 months ago, something like that, my wife sent me a beautiful home in a very good part of town. It overlooked a pond. It had a beautiful yard. It was a, a nice white two-story home, beautiful garage, uh, terraced backyard. And she said, I love this house, Kyle. I said, I do too. I said, why is that? Why is it only $100,000? I said, that's crazy. So I sent it to my realtor. I said, hey, uh, we'd like to see this home. And she laughed. She said, that's a beautiful home. She goes, and if I had a dime for every time somebody sent me that home, we'd probably already sell it already. She said, but banks won't even offer financing on it because there's such bad foundational issues with the house that they can't secure a note on the home because there's a foundational issue. 
You know, there's a price that was paid for us to be secure. But was it in vain because there's foundational issues in our life that keep toppling us over repetitively? Everybody say the rocky soil. See, once again, there's no problem with the word. And actually, in this case, there's not even a problem with receiving the word. It's the problem lies. I hope you don't miss this today. This hit me so hard. The problem is not in the word, even receiving the word with the rocky soil. The problem actually is in allowing the word to only penetrate that which is visible and not the deep things on the inside of you. I gotta say that again because I hope if I, that's the only thing that you get today. That's worth the price of admission. We don't even charge. If you, the problem with the rocky soil is not in the receiving of the word or the word itself. It's in only desiring that the word does a work that other people can see and not the deep things in the root system. Are you serving God so that only other people can see and, 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 and clap and say, wow, look at that guy. He dances, he twirls, he sings. Yeah, okay, but what about the foundational issues? See, the rocky soil says, I want to serve God for what it makes me look like. I want to serve God for, for the exterior benefits, but I don't want to allow the Holy Spirit to have a work on the inside of me. This is way too good to get off this. The rocky soil says, I want the exterior benefits without the interior work. The rocky soil only wants to bear fruit so people can see it and notice it and applaud it. And what happens is it never did the work on the foundational and the root system. And so when, when the winds of adversity blow and when persecution and trials come, all of a sudden they're at a church and, and they're back in the bar because they couldn't handle the persecution. The problem with the rocky soil is not in, oh, they, they look nice, they smell nice, they come to church every Sunday, but then Monday rolls around and they got to cuss like a sailor and they've been saved for 30 years because there's still a problem in the foundational root system. These are your weekend warrior Christians who they say, oh, praise Jesus. Oh, yeah, I received the word. Oh, I'm so excited for the word. Oh, yeah, I'm moving on. The problem's not with the word. The problem's not with, the, with even receiving the word. Oh, you received the word on Sunday, but by Monday, someone called you a name or they called you a holy roller or something else, and now all of a sudden, you're out. You're excited for the word. You receive the word. You know, John 16, Jesus said this. He said, I, I, I have said these things to you, the word, that you may have peace in the world. Everybody say, in the world. You will have tribulation. Jesus promised that there's going to be adversity that blows your way. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Let me throw another one at you. Psalm 34, verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them. So you have to understand that affliction comes, that tribulation comes, but when you have a root system that's rooted in the word of God, when the seed's been planted on the inside of you, you received it with joy, you act on it, not for the outside thrills, but for the deep work of the Holy Spirit, that the word is working on the inside of your spirit. Then when tribulation comes and persecution comes and affliction comes and trials come, you don't say, well, I guess I don't believe in the word 
hurt anymore. I, I, I've, I've had people, I can't even tell you the amount of people I've had say to me, well, you know, I tried to believe for prosperity, but then I had an unexpected uh, uh, medical bill arrive. So wait a second, is Guy Singer greater than God? Well, you know, I, I tried to stand on the word, but, but, I, but I lost someone. Oh, I tried to stand on the word, but, but I, ha I had a financial attack. Oh, I tried to stand on the word, but something tried to attack me in my flesh. Yeah, welcome to Christianity. The attack is sure, but even sure. Revelation 12, I believe it's verse 11, says this, and these are the ones who have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You see, we overcome by the blood of Jesus, but we also overcome by saying, God, I've got a testimony. When I was afflicted, I overcame. When trials came, I overcame. When persecution came, I stood the test and said, I had those deep roots in Jesus Christ. So that when someone called me a name, I overcame. When sickness came, I overcame. When trials and tribulation and afflictions and persecution came, I stood the test of time like a strong oak tree. And Oh, praise God. Aren't the righteous, Psalm chapter 1, it's not even in my notes, but aren't the righteous like those who are planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit in every season? I don't have a down season. Do I have trials? Yeah. Am I human? Yeah. Is there a devil who hates me? Heck yeah. Are there people who hate me? They tell me they do, so I guess they do. It's okay, John. We'll make up afterwards. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Are there things that come against me? Yeah. Are there temptations? Jesus was tempted. Uh, uh, is there that temptation to, to, to please people and not please God every day? But I, I've been healed before and I, I've laid hands on people before and they, they've received their miracle, received their healing. And so many times they'll say, I don't know why it only lasted until Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, that was the that, that, that was the, 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 the test coming back at you like a real retooled train. But if you're able to stand and say, no, Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 2, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I have been healed. When, when, when the enemy tries to devour your finances, there's a passage, I believe it's in Malachi, it actually talks about people uh, taking their finances and putting it in a bag, but there's like a, a hole in the bag and it keeps coming out. You might have felt like that before. And you hear someone preach and you say, well, I guess everything's supposed to be hunky-dory. The victory is sure. But so is the trial and the testing and the persecution and the affliction. See, too many people preach one or the other and they don't have the middle road. So they, they preach, all right, everyone's gotta be rich. Everyone's gotta be uh, uh, healthy. Everyone's gotta be prosperous. You're never gonna have a bad day. You're never gonna have, yeah, that's, that's true. And then you have other people who say, life sucks. You suck, I suck, let's go home. but I'd rather just stay in the word of God if that's okay with you. And even if it's not, I'm still gonna stay in the word of God. And the word of God records that in this life, you will have trials, but take heart because Jesus overcame the world. That many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God will deliver you out of every single one of them. Just as sure as the persecution and the trial and all that stuff, even more sure is the surety that God will deliver you out of every single one of them. 
All right, let's go New Testament for a second. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery, fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Let, let's go over to James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy. Joy? I feel like I lose my joy if the Wi-Fi connection went down for a moment. I'm lightly joking. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That means that there's many different types of trials. Why should we count it joy? Verse three, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Verse four, and let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So you can't believe the lie that pushback means that you're powerless. You can't believe the lie that pushback means that you have some kind of sin in your life. All right, let's get really real for a second. When I was a teenager, I actually said these words out loud. Man, I, I know what the preacher said, but it's just not a reality. I said that before when I was a teenager. I guess I'm alone. All right, see you guys later. Why? Because if you preach one or the other, and not the middle of the road, you're gonna leave everybody frustrated. But if you just stick in the word of God, the truth is, is that we should actually be happy if there's trials that come at us. If I ever die a martyr's death, please don't cry at my funeral, but I want you to envy the fact that God chose that it would give my life for the sake of others. I'll get off that and go on point three. Number three, the thorns. I hope this is helpful today. I promise you, I don't feel like I wasted my time this week. The thorns. The seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear the, hear the word of God, but too quickly the message is choked out by the cares of life. Thorny soil means that you say you want the word, but you really don't want to commit to the word. The worries of life, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things means no fruit will be produced. Doesn't mean there's not growth. Doesn't mean there's not movement, but there's no fruit being produced. There's no multiplied harvest. The enemy of your soul is perfectly content with you growing, growing, with moving, but not producing fruit. Why? Because the cares of this world outweigh your fruitful production and desire to truly commit yourself to the Lord. Psalm 37 verse five says this, commit your way to the Lord, trust him and he will act. The Bible says to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Is that right? In the Hebrew, delight yourself literally means delight is not the right word that we should have there. It should actually be, make yourself pliable in the hands of God and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So it's not, it's not delight like this. Oh, just praise God. Oh, wonderful Jesus. Do I have my Ferrari yet? Delight yourself in God is actually more of a position of saying, God, I laid down every desire. I laid down every dream. 
every vision, I submit it to your feet, and I say, Lord, take my life and have your will. That's what delighting yourself in the Lord actually looks like. And then when you do that, God says, now that's someone I can use. The thorns represent those where the growing starts, but it's stunted by the environment to want more or want anything other than what God can give you. It's those who want to commit to God so they can get out of their mess, but they don't want to. It's those who serve Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord. It's people who say, I want God to save me, but I don't want to, I don't want to worship a king. I want to worship a Savior. It's, it's people who say, I'll serve God if it means getting out of something, but if it means actually serving a Lord who actually can tell me what to do with my life, when to do it, and how to do it, and, and that, that is the chief end all of man, then all of a sudden it's, well, I don't know if I want to serve that kind of God. Oprah Winfrey denounced her faith maybe 15 years ago or so, she said, because I read in the Bible where it says that God is a jealous God. Yeah, Oprah, you are serving yourself and not God. Committing yourself wholeheartedly to God means you've given up your desire to chase the things of the world. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Matthew 6, verse 33, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. That means that when I've laid down my desires for God's desires to pursue his kingdom, to pursue his righteousness, everything else that everybody is chasing is added unto me. God has blessed my wife and I, I think, more than our wildest dreams. I look at my boys and uh, sometimes, and I'm, I'm not emotional whatsoever, and I, I look at my boys and Clayton will run around and he'll say, are you ready for a miracle? Carson claps and swings his arms. He's kind of more quiet. I'll say, Clayton, where's the power? He'll say, he'll say, power in the blood. And Alyssa will say to me sometimes, you know, the other day he was in his crib and he was singing, there's power in the blood, power in the blood. He's two and a half. I, I look at my boys, I remember when, when the doctor told us that there was three holes in Clayton's cart, heart and, and, and God sewed him up, you know, Clayton's not a sitter at all, but when I put the Yankees game on, he'll come up on the couch and he'll watch probably three and a half seconds of it. And that's a big win for me as a dad. <laughs> but I also look at my boys. I know they're going to be successful. I know that they're going to do everything that God's called them to do. The desire of my heart is that God will give them a long life and they'll satisfy the needs of other people and they'll live a life, whatever God calls them to do. But if God ever calls Clayton or Carson or who knows if we have another kid or adopt another kid or whatever, 
if he ever, if he ever turns to me and says, Dad, I'm gonna go lay my life down. You're never gonna see me again. I'm gonna go die a martyr's death for some unreached people group in Central Africa or in Saudi Arabia or Mogadishu. That would hurt. But I would know that that's someone who is not chasing after the thorns of life. Can I just be really real with you for a moment? I love the comfort that God's given me, but it actually scares me at times. I'm not afraid to say it because it's, it, it's, it's not me. It's, it's how God has blessed us. And I remember when I was in youth ministry, and I was 15 years old. And I used to work at Wegmans and I used to make $120 a week. And I remember taking that 20 bucks and giving it in the offering and thinking, man, oh, that's awesome. I can give $20 a week. And, and, and now... I'll just say God's blessed us extravagantly. But it's actually, there's, there's, there's times, and, and, and I appreciate God's blessing, but there's actually times where I get leery when I get comfortable. There's not a bill I can't pay. God's blessed me. God's been good to me. I hope that's true for you. But there's actually times when I'll say to my wife, don't get comfortable, honey. I'll say to myself, Kyle, don't you dare find comfort in the thorns of this world. You need to delight yourself. You need to make yourself pliable in the hands of God. You know, you, you want to know why when we talk about trial or persecution, why it hurts so much? Because we're too content with the thorns of the life, of the, of the life that we're living. When persecution and trial and affliction comes, why, why, was, why was James, the little brother of Jesus, able to say, count it all joy? This is the guy who witnessed the murder of his brother, and he said, count that as joy. It's quiet when I talk about my kids maybe one day, maybe going to China, a place, communist China, where it's illegal to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe they'll establish a church in North Korea where it is a death sentence. And that's uncomfortable for us because we are so used to the thorns of life. See, the kingdom is a totally different mindset. The Old Testament had to do with our behavior, but the New Testament has to do with our thinking. The Bible says, blessed is the man, it talks about kids, that children are a blessing of the Lord. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. A quiver being as arrows that you could shoot to accomplish God's purposes. My kids aren't my own. God has entrusted them to me so that I could see something and say, it hurts, but go ahead. When you understand that the kingdom is not, it's not for you, but it's for the sake of others, is when you begin to change your mind on the things that you find comfort in.
My wife and I live in a nice part of town. I like to drive a Harley Davidson. I like to shoot guns. I like to hunt. I like to fish. But I don't find my worship in those things, but in God alone, through him alone, and to him alone. Now let's talk about the last soil here today, the good soil. I, I hope this helps here today. The good soil is many who are here today. You, you hear the word of God, even if you have to put up with me for 45 minutes or so. I always, I told my father-in-law, I say, I just tell the 9 a.m. crowd to stick around for the 11. He's like, why do you tell him that? I said, because my dad preaches the 11. He goes, that's good. I said, yeah. I said, the 9 a.m. crowd, it's like, you never know what you're going to get. You might get me and have to deal with me or my brother and have to deal with my brother. If you're really batting a thousand, you're going to get my grandpa. Praise God. The good soil. You hear the word and you act on the word. And the word has its deep work in you. And the result is a multiplication harvest. The result is a bumper crop, if you will. How? If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 12 for a moment. If not, they're going to put a big one on the screen. You can also use your phone, your iPad, take notes, tweet, story on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. John, the 12th chapter, says this. How, 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 does, how does seed produce a multiplied harvest? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies... It remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. These verses nearly hurt my spirit to read because the gravity and the weight of what about of what about what's about to be said is the crux of seed time and harvest. Whoever loses his life, loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. How many people want to have life and life more abundantly? John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. The New Living Translation says to give you a rich and a satisfying life. We want, we want to, we want to live an abundant life. You live an abundant life the moment you lose your life. You want to lose your life? Then try to hold on to your life. I'm going to read it again, verse 25. Whoever loses his life, loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Or, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. When it comes down to it, Christianity 
If you, if you had to ask me, Kyle, what's, what's, what's one thing that you could tell me? If, if, if I knew that the rapture was on Tuesday, which I'm, I'm saying if I knew, just so you guys are aware, all right? What's one thing that you could tell me? Here's what I would tell you. Die to self, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus Christ. It's in your dying to self that you receive a multiplied harvest. Jesus said, how, how, how does a seed, and Jesus is literally talking about himself. He said, how, how does a seed produce a multiplied harvest of sons and daughters? He says, it has to be crucified and mocked and whipped and a crown of thorns and a racial slur above his head. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing what, what is about to happen to Jesus. He said, it's when I lose my life that I find it's, it's a glorious exchange of laying down my life. And when I lay down my life and say, God, it's not my desires. Every time, every, every time I feel like annoyed or impatient or, or anything like that, I can always trace it back to a little bit of the flesh that's trying to resurrect itself. When I get in traffic and I'm like, why won't you move? I was behind a police officer the other day. The light turned green. He must have been texting. It's green. It's green. It's green. I cracked the throttle on my Harley. Run! And he went. And I think to myself, what are you doing? You're supposed to be upholding the law. Maybe, I don't know, who knows? Maybe it was someone just out in the cruiser. But we get so impatient. We get so ticked off. Why, 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 why won't things just speed up here? Why, why, are, my, why are my kids so ordinary? Why, why doesn't my spouse just agree with everything I have to say? I'm sure nobody here. Because God is more interested in your holiness than he is your happiness. Now, he's interested in your happiness, but he wants your holiness first. Don't consider it strange when various trials try you. But count it all joy. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. See, loneliness comes from trying to hold on to your life. Solitude comes from dying to self. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life, loses it. But whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Here's how I want to close today as the worship team comes back quickly. I'm not preaching up to the 11 a.m. service, so you don't have to worry about anybody coming in for your seat. It's Labor Day weekend, whatever that's supposed to mean. See, it's a hard message to preach even. Because I don't stand here like, man, I, I'm just, just batting a thousand. Like, I, I wrestle with this. Like, I, I wrestle constantly with the flesh wanting to rise up. 
The Bible actually says that, in case you think I'm just like some like weak, pathetic preacher. Ephesians 6 says that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities, right? So the war is not against you and your spouse. The war is against spiritual matters. The war isn't against you and your kids. The war is with spiritual matters. I don't know why, but I feel like the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Which is bearing fruit in a sense. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is patience, right? Did you ever pray for patience? Or am I alone on that too? Right? And we pray for patience. God, I want patience. Oh Lord, I need to be patient. Oh God, you know, and then we walk away and there's an opportunity for you to exercise your new fruit found, found uh, called patience. And you're like, see, this is why I need patience. Everyone in this household's an idiot. By the way, fruit grows. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is a development process in your life. Notice if I went out to my backyard and I went up to my, my sugar maple tree and I said, bananas, quickly. I'd probably get put in a straitjacket. Even if I went out to do its attendant purpose on a cold day and I, I, I tapped it for some maple syrup, it would still be a process that it would take for that 60 year old tree to ever bear forth fruit. Why? Just because you prayed for something, then you're waiting for the manifestation and the opportunity to walk that thing out. My question to you today, and I've been hammering this since January of this year, it's not so much are you living for God? My question more is, have you died to self? My, my, my question really isn't, oh, are, are, are you reading your Bible? Okay, great. Are you praying? Okay, that's awesome. Are you, are you trying to do kind of a little bit better? No, my question isn't those things. My question is this, have you said, Lord, I'm having a funeral for Kyle Drost and I'm putting that old man down and I'm rising up to life in the spirit, a life lived according to the word of God. I'm really not interested, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to do better with this, but I'm really not interested in what I desire anymore. The more that you listen to what you desire, the more that you're breathing life into the flesh. But the more that you listen to the word of God is when you're breathing life into the spirit of God. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you and quickens your mortal body. You see, it's a funeral of the flesh. It just like baptism it is, a, it is the water grave. It's a symbol of you dying to your old self and being raised to life with Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter one and two, you're now seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above, but you can't sit with Jesus in heavenly places. If you're still allowing your flesh to sit with the ungodly and the unwise and fulfilling the desires of the flesh. See, my wife and I, we were saying last night, we almost cry when we talk about 
our kids maybe one day not going to Harvard or Princeton or Yale. If that's what God has, so praise God. But maybe going just to go simply and lay their life down for a leper colony. It hurts. Literally, it hurts. But isn't that exactly what God did when he looked at the world and said, there's a, there's a colony of people who called the earth who needs my son to go and to live for them, but to also die for them and to more importantly raise again to new life so that I can now reap a harvest of sons and daughters of God. So I actually believe that the desire, and it's not much of a desire, but that idea is not my own idea but that's God's idea, saying, I wish that we would live dead. I wish we would live lives where we don't, we have no problem working a 50 hour week and spending 50 minutes on a sermon. I, I wish we would live lives where we would put more value on the eternal things. And sometimes the eternal things come from the internal thing rather than the external thing. I wish that we would put more of a desire on the things of eternity than the things of, of the earth. And I'm talking to some of my heroes here today. I'm talking to some people who you stood the test of time. Persecution and winds of adversity and trials and adversities have tried to blow your way and you've proved faithful for 50 years or 60 years or 70 years. I don't know where you're standing here today. Maybe you don't know who Jesus Christ is, or maybe you've served him all the days of your life. And today's a reminder to say, it's more important for you to die to yourself, to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus daily than it is for you to fulfill the desires of your flesh. It doesn't mean that you can't have fun. I have fun. I have plenty of fun. I love to get on my Harley with my wife. I, I love to vacation. I love to do all those things. But chiefly, and most importantly, and firstly, I must serve Jesus Christ with my everything. See, I'm not against doctors. I'm just against Jesus being second or anywhere else on the list other than number one. I'm not against politicians, but they're just not my hope. Jesus is my hope. Everybody snap on your feet where you're at. I'm not done, but I quit. You guys are so awesome. The fact that you guys are here in a Labor Day weekend, laboring in the Word. You know, and, and dying to self isn't always just something that's uncomfortable. Maybe you have to learn how to have faith to enter into that place of rest. Maybe you have to gain the faith for, for, for even things that you would consider to be desirable. I don't know where you're at today. But Jesus does. They're going to sing a beautiful song in just a moment here. You know, the fact that we serve communion. I didn't know we were going to serve communion until this morning when I woke up. But Jesus' representation of the body and the blood, yes, is about healing. And yes, is about the cleansing of sin and, and, and the filth of the world. But it's also a representation of suffering well. It's a representation of trading your will. Did not Jesus pray in the Garden of Gethsemane? Lord, I don't want to do this, but I want your will more than my own. It's a trading of the wills. It's a trading of lives. It's a trading of from one life to another, from dying to self to being raised with Jesus Christ. It's saying I'm willing to do the uncomfortable, the inconvenient, 
for the sake of others. Just lift a hand here for a moment. If you need Jesus Christ, you can come to this altar and give your life to Jesus. Whatever you need, God is sufficiently able, but he's also sufficiently able in this moment right now that you can pull on the word, you can pull on the anointing and receive what you need right now. And here's how we close today. If you want a formal dismissal, this is it. We're just going to sing this song. I give myself away so you can use me. I lay down my life. I'm not, not living for myself anymore. Every time I feel those selfish desires, every time I feel the flesh trying to talk, I know that that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Holy Spirit calls me to levels of sacrifice, trust, and obedience. The voice of the flesh calls me to, 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 uh, to the uh, service of sin, of my desires. When you delight yourself in the Lord, you become pliable. You're on the potter's wheel, and the potter is crafting you for excellence and crafting you for every good work. There's good works that we've yet to walk in, the Bible says, but he's crafting you for good works, and you're not on that wheel saying, oh, no, don't don't take that. Oh, no, don't do this. Oh, no, don't smooth me out there. No, I want this. I want... No, you're on the potter's wheel saying, I've traded my will for yours. Amen? Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of yourself listening and tag us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God. We'll see you next time. And remember, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.